And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. It's 3 p.m., and up next is Cover to Cover Open Book. I'm Brian DeShazer, director of the Pacifica Radio Archives, the oldest and largest collection of public radio programming in the United States. And welcome to From the Vault, our weekly series that takes our history out of the vault and onto the radio. On this edition of From the Vault, we pay tribute to Geronimo Jajaga Pratt, who died on June 3, 2011. The former decorated Vietnam War veteran and Minister of Defense for the Los Angeles chapter of the Black Panther Party would be falsely accused and convicted of a 1968 murder he never committed and spent 27 years in prison for it. Even at that trial, with the FBI putting an informant agent in the jail with me, an informant agent in Johnny Cochran's office, this is two, an informant agent on the jury, this is three, and an informant agent who said I did the murder on the stand, this is four, four paid agents to convict me of this. They almost still lost the case. Geronimo Jajaga Pratt spent 27 years incarcerated for the murder of a woman in Santa Monica, California, even though FBI telephone traces and eyewitnesses placed Geronimo in Oakland, California at the time of the murder. Geronimo Jajaga, his family, and supporters had always maintained that Geronimo was targeted and framed by the FBI and the Los Angeles Police Department because of his activities in the Black Panther Party. But it wasn't until May of 1997 that Jajaga's conviction was overturned when new evidence proved the prosecution's chief witness, Julius Butler, was a police and FBI informant who lied under oath. Orange County Superior Court Judge Everett Dickey ordered Geronimo Chijaga released from prison to the Los Angeles County Sheriff and said authorities should give him a new trial or drop the case. On June 10, 1997, the conviction was vacated and the next day, to loud cheers from his family and supporters, Geronimo Jajaga Pratt walked out of the Santa Monica, California courtroom on $25,000 bail. Jajaga would be awarded $4.5 million for his false imprisonment and he would spend the rest of his life working with men and women believed to be falsely imprisoned up until the time of his death. He would die of a heart attack in his adopted country of Tanzania. Today we present this chilling example of how one man's spirit survived wrongful persecution and persevered to help others. Geronimo Jajaga Pratt tells his own story from this first public address in October of 1997, only five months after his release, to an audience gathered at Pasadena City College Auditorium in the suburbs of Los Angeles. And this was broadcast on Pacifica Radio. Mandela. I'm trying to say thanks in every language I could remember because this is really uh, touching to see so many and thanks to the Cross Cultural Center that's what it's all about so many brothers and sisters coming together to make something happen and uh, I can't say thank you enough I can't say Asante enough and I also want to give thanks to the elders, like I always do before I start trying to convey these words to you that uh, I'm not 
uh, so adept at doing because, uh, like I tell everyone, my role in the movement was not the one behind the mic. It's hard to try to, after 27 years, come and make you understand that um, during those 27 years, you've been told a lot of stories, like we say down home, a lot of lies and a lot of uh, untruths. And I've always dealt with truth. Uh, I could have left prison a long time ago. They offered me big money. I could have escaped. I could have, but you charged me with a murder I didn't do. I'm not going nowhere until you clear it up. And I will tell you, I, I don't care. You know, that woman had a life. Mrs. Carolyn Olson had a life that was used like so many of us was used and expended. And her life was wasted by these uh, vicious programs. And I wanted to know. I wanted the truth to come out. But I was in a hole. They put me in a hole for the first eight years. Uh, no visits. They attacked me. All I wanted to do is expose the truth. Everything about the revolution, everything about everything else got to be on hold. I want to expose the truth that my mother did not raise a murderer. And don't put that on me. And that Mrs. Olson, we learned, was a very progressive person who was a part of the anti-war movement at the time. And strangely enough, she's dead. I'm in prison. But something don't, uh, is not working here, you know. So I wanted to expose that. I didn't know about Nixon then. I didn't know about COINTELPRO then. But I knew something was a mess. And I knew it was more than the little peons they had around here in the L.A. and area LAPD, uh, Sheriff's Department, who was playing their little FBI games. I knew it was more than that. But at the time, we did not know that um, Richard Nixon and his girlfriend, Jagger Hoover, had plotted to kill and destroy one of the most beautiful movements that history has ever seen. And these sick individuals were allowed to get away with it. And when it was exposed, and I was in Folsom Prison facing uh, 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 sadistic guards who were shooting us with guns and all kind of manipulated prisoners who were trying to stab and kill us. While this was going on, Nixon is being exposed, if you're old enough to remember during the Watergate hearings, uh, as a criminal. And later on, Jagger Hoover and all the rest of them. So it stands the reason that they're exposed as criminals and they're the ones who put us in prison, then we can't both be criminals. So I wondered, well, where, what's happening? But I'm in prison. We didn't have TVs and radios back then. We hardly got any mail. We hardly got any visits back during those years, those first eight years in prison. So communications was hard coming both in and out. And, but it would baffle me what is going on. This man has been exposed as one of the worst criminals that ever sit in that house. And all of the details of the Watergate papers, everything that was revealed during the uh, uh, all the corruption around Vietnam and the attacks against the uh, Black Liberation Movement and uh, other movements, the Asian Liberation Movement, the Mexican Liberation Movements, all of the movements back then, the Native Liberation Movement, no one was left untouched. And um, nothing was being done. Oh, he's going to be kicked out of office. You know, we're going to do that, and we're going to send him. You know, we understand. And it was strange that we went to San Quentin, and he went to San Clemente. It didn't, it didn't add up. Now, here's this man who's responsible for the death and destruction of so much. You know, so this is one of the things that 
I always try to encourage people to wake up because there's so much has led you down paths that have you believing that when you see me 27 years later, that you come up to me and you ask me for an autograph. And I love you for your sentiment, but it tells me that you don't know who I am. I'm not a movie star. You said, I don't mean to hurt your feelings. It happens everywhere I go that I did not join a movement to sign autographs. I did not join the movement to become uh, world-renowned for fortune or fame or for your money or for anything. I joined the movement to win. And that's the bottom line. And I, when, uh, it's very natural for people who are in that business, such as movie stars, to promote themselves. They come up, they give you an autograph. But you ask me that, and I want to put the name after I explain to you, because I don't want to hurt your feelings, because I know you're coming in good spirit. But <clears throat> I, I have to explain that to you. We are under collective discipline not to promote ourselves. We cannot promote ourselves. We can only promote the revolution, the struggle. We do not promote personalities. We promote principles. So with, with that, please understand... <clears throat> That a person who stays in a situation and struggles in a situation such as uh, what's going on with Rochelle McGee, with Hugo Pinnell, with Leonard Peltier, Suniata Akali, Dr. Matulu Shakur, Marilyn Buck, Susan Rosenberg, on and on and on, that we don't care if you form committees out here and say, free this person, free that person. If you put our names on posters, we didn't join the movement for that. We didn't join the movement saying that we get busted. We're going to turn around and sit in those prisons and criticize everybody in the country because they're not coming to our aid. We understood that we were making that sacrifice, and we did not expect. This is why I'm so surprised that the people would uh, adopt and uh, uh, champion these causes that uh, are worthy, and, and, and rightly so, by the way. But I'm trying to tell you how we look at it with Mumia sitting up there on death row. He understands when he joined, just like we all did, that we were going to go to prison, that we were going to be driven underground, that we were going to be killed, that we were going to be uh, exiled, because we knew the nature of our enemy. And if you think anything other, you are, you are playing a dangerous game, because we are faced with a very vicious enemy. Now, how to define that enemy, that's another question. You hear a lot of people, especially in the New African, what we call New African or black communities, and white folks this, white folks that, the white folks mistake. Our enemies cannot be defined by race. That's a big mistake. Now, you got to be careful with that. In fact, a further caution is that you better watch that brother next to you and that sister next to you a lot of cases. Because that's something that has to be worked out, and it's, 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 it's endemic in every ethnic group or every national liberation movement that takes place not only in this country but throughout the world because they're heavily infiltrated with people who like to play cops, who like to operate from that premise of what Che Guevara used to refer to as mechanical discipline and get the big buck mercenarily to go and to do anything that old master tell him to do or her to do. So um, stay very cautious 
about these things and be very uh, cognizant of the fact that our enemies has to be known. Sun Tzu said, know your enemy and know yourself in a thousand battles. You will never be defeated. You have to define your enemies accurately. Else you're going to be defeated time and time again. If someone sends a killer dogs after you, are you going to spend the rest of your life plotting and trying to kill those killer dogs or getting at the people that train them and kill them? It's as simple as that. We have to study and become more sophisticated in our approach to solving these problems. And I'm trying to bring forth the truth after 27 years, and I see all these misconceptions of, oh, he's a movie star. And, and I can understand that. I don't blame you. I see brothers that were and sisters who were with us in the 60s. I see them. I don't even recognize them. They ran into my selling the Black Panther. <laughs> I'm selling the Black Panther Party. One in Dallas, I just left Dallas a few days ago, down there trying to cop copyright the Black Panther Party so other people can't use the name. He went to the judge, and some people using the name. He tell the judge, we want injunction, we want to put in jail, we were real Panthers. I mean, it, it blows my mind, especially after Bunchy has died, George has died, Fred Hampton, Little Mark. Fred Bennett, so many, Fred, uh, uh, Carl Hampton, I mean, so many have died, so many are still in prison. And these people are out here, what we call black power pimps, <laughs> doing this. And it's wrong, and they see me coming and they hide. The dude who was doing that wouldn't come to the meeting in Dallas, because he came around 74 when there really there was no more Panthers as we knew it. They were all pimps. And Superfly, and they had been infiltrated, and, and, and they were promoting Democratic Party principles, which was not the original intent, and um, it had been usurped and co-opted by them. And when you study history, you will, you will learn that. So he wouldn't come because he couldn't face the truth. <clears throat> so hopefully that will be resolved, but it's, it's happening all over. Where I go, I try to explain the truth as we know it. You have to understand that we join in struggling in this movement not to be a part of no Democratic Party. We join because we believe, as we still do today, that Africans in this country constitute the second largest African nation in the world. Next to Nigeria. We constitute the second largest in the world. We have the wherewithal to fill an entire nation. We have over $600 billion a year go throughout our nation. We have the brain power that will, that will uh, surpass any, I think, of the world. We have the skills. We have common, we have a common language, common culture, common everything. We still turn around and call Clinton our president. This don't seem right to us. You see, we, have a right to elect our own leadership, to govern our own selves. And this is what we fought for. Read the ten point of the programs of the Panthers, of other organizations back in the 60s. And it states very clear that we call for a United Nations supervised plebiscite to let it be known what we want, not some hand-picked leaders that you put and impose upon us who tell you, oh, we want this. They do not speak for us. Let us speak for ourselves. And we've been calling for this for years. This country prides itself on democratic principles, on democracy. Well, to us, this is the epitome of that. The publicite, 
We don't want y'all involved in it. We want the United Nations to supervise it because we don't trust the United States. And it's as clear as that. If they're involved in it, I'm not going to have anything to do with it. But the referendums and the, and, and the surveys we took in the 60s, if you remember, uh, even Newsweek did one, I think in 1969. And they polled all throughout the country, and it came back 92% in support of not only the Black Panther Party, but nationhood, national independence. Then right after that, they escalated their COINTELPRO attacks. It's a shame for us to be so large, so huge, so capable, so qualified, that we still turn around and let old massa could patrol our communities while our children are dying with this dope, send our children to their schools where they miseducate them and confuse them with this cultural invasions. It's a shame that we have not called for a state of emergency at the alarming rate in which our young men and women are going to prison. And we're sitting down here. It's a shame. And you're going to the White House. You're going to Capitol Hill. You're going to someone else. Old Master, oh, can I do this? Can I start this program? Old Master, yeah, you could do that. Give you a few million and turn around and build 50 prisons behind your back. And hire your nephews and your nieces to work in the prisons to shoot us and to kill us. I just left them. I just left a little brother, a little crip, standing up arguing with another crip. Didn't throw no blows. Before he knew it, a bullet goes through his head, the whole back of his head blown out. Right down to Hatchaby Prison. I was there. He didn't even throw a blow. We looked. The guard that killed him was blacker than midnight. A black guard. The same way in Solidarity. Same way in force. You got Mexican guards killing young, beautiful, promising Mexican prisoners. It's a damn shame. They got you killing your own sons and daughters. And you sit down here, and we don't do nothing about it. It should be a state of emergency that this is a form of genocide. These prisons are nothing but tools that's used to further this war of genocide against peoples of color especially. And it's a shame if you could see what they're doing to the black and the brown prisoners in those prisons today. It was a shame when I went in, but it ain't nothing like it is to do with those young brothers coming in, confused, not knowing, meaning well, coming from a street that then gave them drugs, that then victimized them, to call them gang, blamed them. When you know it coming, it's coming from Langley, Virginia. And you're going to blame those young brothers. Well, you drove by and shoot. You, well, you manipulate. Let's talk. We're in college right now. Let's talk about some philosophy. Let's talk about indeterminism versus determinism. Let's talk about free will versus lack of free will. Let's talk about at what point does a person become a criminal and at what point does society put him in that situation where he can do no other. Let's talk philosophy. If you want to get at it from that angle. Either way you look at it, it's wrong. Like the brother professor just said, they're the worst criminals in the world up there. And everybody knows it. They do not do one day behind those walls. That has to change. We don't want to put anybody in prison. I advocate the abolition of prison. I'm known as a prison abolitionist. I think we can create societies where there won't be a need for prison. Where we can get along together and we can 
regulate ourselves in a social, civilized way that we won't need any prisons. I really believe that because I've looked into the souls of brothers who's come in those prisons of all nationalities who didn't need to be there also and who were manipulated, who were more or less put in that situation. Should we give the uh, analogy of the pool cue hitting the cue ball, the cue ball hitting the four ball, the four ball hitting the seven ball? At what point did it begin? Are you going to blame that eight ball when it falls in the pocket for falling in the pocket? Are you going to blame the four ball for hitting the eight ball or the three ball for hitting the four ball or the cue stick for hitting all that? So it's a concatenation that deserves and is worthy of study. You cannot understand anything in isolation. When you try to do that, you confuse yourself and you become a willing servant of the powers that be who are quickly at your side to manipulate you. Here, what you want? Because they know you stomp. Because you did not see the interconnecting events that led up to this. But if I was a, a, a Rockefeller or uh, some of those rich people, their names won't come to right now, and I do a crime, then you're going to say, oh, the Twinkie defense, oh, he ate some Twinkies. Or he did thus and so. And it doesn't matter what color you are. As you know, I don't want to mention any cases. It doesn't matter what color you are. You got that money, you're not going to prison. If you do, you're coming right out. They're going to put you in a country club, and you're coming right out because money talk. But this, this brother who don't have this money, who don't have these situations, you condemn him to death. You put him on these yards. You put sadistic guards who hasn't even finished college, don't even have GEDs over them with 30-30s and manipulate them to, to get in little arguments so they can shoot them. That's murder. That's one of the coldest forms of murder I've, I've ever seen in my life. To sit there and see where that balcony is? They don't be that high with those guns. And I was a sharp school, the expert in the service. That close with high-powered rifles. And you ought to see their, their bodies when they get through shooting them. And don't let another one be stabbing them. This is one of the ugliest things you're ever going to see. And it's, it's, it's more prevalent in the California prisons than anywhere in the country. And they put all this propaganda out. You go for it. You vote for these resolutions and these initiatives to build more prisoners. That's not the solution. You continue. You're creating a monster so large that you're not going to be able to control. And it's already out of control. And guess who is going to come back home? You see? Poor innocent people walking down the street in the community. This person is being let out of Pelican Bay after he's been whipped, tortured, and they do torture you. And I can tell you, attest to that personally. And you let him back out on the streets. He's mad. He's mad because society didn't understand that he only wanted to go to the store to get a little something, something like they say for his son, for his daughter who was hungry. And what they do, they put him in prison. All right, 10 years. But that's life in these California prisons. Because as soon as you come in, they're going to say, oh, what is he? Oh, he's Emmy. Oh, he's a New Westra familiar. Oh, he's black. He's BGL. Oh, he's a Crip. He's a Blood. Oh, he's Asian. He's Tong. He's, these brothers, most of them, they've even heard of these things. But within 24 hours, they are already signed up and their death warrant is signed. Because once they put them on those tiers that's designated these different things, 
Those people that they are fighting with in those prisons are going to, to target them. And by them being newcomers and unaware and naive to a lot of things, they're usually the ones that you hear about, oh, you got stabbed this morning on the lower yard. So you better pay attention because the prison industrial complex is a monster that's is out of control. And it's because these propagandists <clears throat> they keep selling it to you and it keeps going in that vicious cycle. I had to talk to some brothers before I left prisons. Man, when I get out, them so-and-sos, man, them, they give me, I'm just trying to, you just wait till I get out. Some innocent person. I said, now what did they have to do? I don't care. It looked like the prison guard that uh, set my, you know what I'm saying? They just look like, you know, and you got to sit down and you try to educate them as much as you can. And we need more of that from the older generation because we, our ranks are getting thin. They put so much on us in there. I had classes in prison up to 60, 70 strong. The wards would come and break it up. I tell them, don't, don't leave. I'm from the old school. Make the warden go get the goon squad. Make him shoot us. Then he'd shoot us for something. Then we could start a movement. Then they back up when they send me out of prison. Because I'm going to tell them the truth. And we got to, we got to continue, continue to do that. And, and continue to try to bring for the truth about what we fought for. I can't stress enough the importance of letting us speak for ourselves to everyone. And when you get questions about, oh, he's preaching separation, you better study our history. You better study our history. We were the first to coalesce with the uh, my kin folks, the Native American movement, American Indian movement. We were the first to coalesce with the Asian liberation movement, the Chicano, Mexicano liberation movement. I want to salute Metro. And I also want to say to the young Mexicano brothers and sisters that I was very uh, surprised to learn that you didn't know nothing about the Brown Berets. Those were champions. Those, you're talking about the Black Panthers. We, Corky Gonzalez, and we worked very closely with the Brown Berets when... They, the racist pigs would go into the May County communities, into the barrios and whatnot, and just, you know, like they did in the uh, African communities. We would come together. We would patrol together. You should read your history. We had beautiful coalitions with our brothers from the May County and sisters from the Chicano and May County communities. And I always encourage you, if you don't know, you learn everything you can learn about the Brown Berets because that was a very, very powerful organization, which some say was a carbon copy of the Black Panther Party and Brown, but it was very, very important to your history. And uh, I always encourage my Brown brothers to uh, learn that so you can teach the younger brothers because they sacrificed so much and they were also targeted by COINTELPRO. And you also have to understand, COINTELPRO was the uh, acronym, was the name of the operation that the FBI launched against the movement. Operation CHAOS, C-H-A-O-S, was the CIA's operation against the movement. So when you study your history, don't forget to study Operation CHAOS, and then you will have a deeper understanding of how deep and how, uh, 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 how uh, to, uh, to what lengths Nixon and those went to destabilize, to neutralize, to kill off our various movements.
And that does it for this week's From the Vault. If you would like to join our campus campaign sponsoring school libraries across the country with our series, visit us online at PacificaRadioArchives.org or call us toll-free at 1-800-735-0230. This program is written and produced by Mark Torres and Brian DeShazer. The series is executive produced by the Pacifica Radio Archives, and I've been your host, Brian DeShazer. From the Vault is presented as part of the Pacifica Radio Archives Preservation and Access Project, which is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts and past grants from the American Archive funded by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, the Grammy Foundation, the Ford Foundation, partnerships with UC Berkeley's Moffett Library, and from Pacifica members. Our other partners include Internet Archive, Other Minds Archive, City Lights Books, and our devoted Pacifica listeners. Look out for our new book, Redefining Black Power, Reflections on Black America, written by Joanne Griffith, published and available at citylightsbooks.com. Our theme music is by Kevin Drum Holiday. Thanks for listening and keeping our history alive. On Sunday, July 17th from 2 to 7 p.m. at Little Bobby Hutton Park, a.k.a. Defermary Park, on 18th and Adeline in West Oakland, there will be a memorial tribute to the life of former political prisoner Geronimo Gijaka, who recently transitioned on June 2nd of 2011. KPFA's own Avacha will be performing, as well as local jazz legends, Fabia Kuchijakalia, and the first woman to join the Black Panther Party, violinist Tarika Lewis. Yours truly, the Minister of Information, JR, from The Morning Mix, will be hosting. For more information, you can go to itsabouttimebpp.com.